Hello and welcome to the Gilmore Ball Z bonus episodes, where because of your generous donations to the Gohan and Rory Fund, we watch the Dragon Ball Z movie Tree of Might. I hate all of you. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this is not the worst movie. I would say this is even in the top fifty percentile of Dragon Ball Z movies that we have watched for this That's podcast. That's why I hate all of you. Like, like we can, we can dig into it. We can dig into it after we talk more about it, but. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out here and say that this is better than Broly, Broly the Legendary Super Saiyan, better than Super Android 13, and better than Bardock, Father of Goku, or History of Trunks. I, I think I think the only things that we've watched on the Dragon Ball side for this that were better than this movie were the two cooler movies. That's fair. So, Paige. Do your best to start us off with what happened in Dragon Ball Z, The Tree of Might. Sure. Uh, this starts as all great Dragon Ball movies do with uh, the Dragon Ball characters doing something completely meaningless. In this case, camping. Uh, somehow there's this is camping- this is this is not the only time it's been camping because Return or uh, Cooler's Revenge, not to be confused with the Return of Cooler, was also a camping trip, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and the uh, Super Android 13 was a shopping trip. Um. In this case, it is a camping trip for, and I want to know how this got put together, Bulma, Oolong, Krillin, and Gohan. Uh, they're all camping. Overnight, a comet hits the earth, lights the entire forest on fire. Animals are scrambling everywhere. Krillin wakes Gohan up and suggests that they stop it with their Dragon Ball powers. Sure, um... It was kind of weird to be watching this, I'm going to be honest, because I'm from Northern California, and as of recording, uh, the wildfires are still blazing in a couple of the places where I grew up, and so it's like, oh, um, yeah, that's that's all you do to solve a fire. You get giant gusts of wind. Wind has never made a fire worse. Yeah. And then it goes out. <laughs> I mean, I think the idea is they were just pushing, they, they, they didn't save the forest, they were just pushing the fire out of the way to make an escape path for the animals. Right, but that tends to make more of your forest on fire, putting more animals in danger. Like, unless you contain the fire, you're just going to be pushing it elsewhere. Like, wind does not help with this process, I promise you. Uh, But sure, that's what happens. They get all the animals out. The forest is entirely burned to the ground. But thankfully, the dozen or so animals that live in the forest, there are only 12, are perfectly fine. Including a purple dragon who is Icarus, who we've seen in other Dragon Ball movies. This is Icarus's origin story. Yeah, I'm to sure. be to be clear to people who are coming in from the Gilmore Girls side, this is actually an older Dragon Ball Z movie that we're going back and watching. So this was actually this movie was actually released before any of the other Dragon Ball Z specials or anything that we've watched for the book club or for the Gohan and Rory Fund. Um, yeah, so, this, this is yeah. 30 years old. Like many Dragon Ball movies, it is absolutely impossible to say when it takes place. Some of the things, it would have to take place after they're on Namek, but also at the same time, like, Goku and Piccolo are both alive, and nobody's on Namek, so who knows when this takes place. Yeah, like, it. the, the best that I can put together is that it takes place around the same time as the Namek saga, but in, like, a happier alternate universe, where nobody died fighting Vegeta and Nappa, so therefore they never went to Namek. Right. They're able to 
get all the animals out, but the forest is completely gone. So Bulma suggests that she has the dragon radar. They can go. They can get the dragon balls. They can use a dragon wish to save the forest. Because uh, this is Dragon Ball, and there's no way they're going to need this in the next three months. What are you talking about? Or maybe in the next hour. So the credits of the movie, the Chala Head Chala song bit, are Oolong, Gohan, Bulma, and Krillin all going around the world, picking up the Dragon Balls, wishing the forest back. There's a you know little bit where Icarus tries to square off against Shenlong. It doesn't work too well for him. Uh, but thankfully, Gohan's able to prevent any actual danger. They restore the forest. Yay, everything's fine. Except the forest lit on fire because a comet hit it. The comet has a little spider bot in it that hooks up with a spaceship, uh, which contains some Frieza warriors. Uh, a lot of them are nondescript Frieza squad kind of guys. Uh, a little bit like the Ginyu squad. They're just weird aliens of different shapes. They're all wearing the Frieza gear. And one guy is a Saiyan named Turles. And the whole goal here, what they've done is they've planted a seed on Earth to grow the Tree of Might, which is a wicked evil tree, also called the Tree of Death. I'm going to have some questions on that later. That will grow using the Earth's nutrients, suck up all the nutrients that it's got, create a giant tree... And the fruit of the Tree of Might will allow you to have super, super, super strong power. Right. Okay. Um, the only downside to this is that it takes a lot of nutrients to grow this gigantic tree, which grows at a very rapid pace. So doing that would rob the Earth of all of its nutrients, leaving it a frozen wasteland, and everyone and everything will die. This is bad. So the Z Fighters, as soon as they find this out, uh, just like a, a group of the Z Fighters, it's like... Yamcha, Krillin, Tien, Chiaotzu. It's basically the Goku. same group that showed up to fight the Saiyans. Right. Uh, everybody but Gohan, who's kept behind by his mom because he needs to learn how to be a lawyer, uh, all go out and try to zap a tree with their Saiyan and human key powers. Like, there's like a minute of people trying to zap a tree and it doesn't work. Uh, which makes sense, because when King Kai told them about this tree, he said that they needed to fight the warriors who grew the tree. So they go, they try to beat the warriors. Gohan comes in to try to help, uh, riding on Icarus. Uh, there's a whole side plot here that I don't really care to talk about, about how Chi-Chi doesn't want Gohan to have a pet, and she keeps sending Icarus away, but Goku, because he's the uh, capitulating father that he is keeps bringing Icarus back or letting him stay in a cave. And so there's a whole back and forth of like whether or not Gohan keeps, gets to keep Icarus. But more importantly, uh, Tercius over here, uh, the Saiyan man, tries to kill Gohan. And so that doesn't work. And so he's like, oh, you're a Saiyan like me. Well, I can raise you to be a true Saiyan, not a weakling like your father. Come with me. And Gohan's like, no. He's like, okay, fine. I'm going to try a different plan that's even stupider. And in a move that I am going to have a lot of questions about later, makes an artificial moon, forces Gohan to look at it. So he turns, like he somehow regrows his tail. Like that wasn't really explained. He regrows his tail so he makes a moon and he makes him stare at the moon so he becomes a giant ape like Saiyans do when the moon is out. If you've forgotten, it's been a long time since that's been relevant, but here it is again. 
And then Gohan goes on a rampage. Goku tries to stop it like, hey, I'm your dad. I care about you. Please don't. And then Gohan grabs him and makes Goku scream. But if his negligent father isn't enough to stop him, his pet dinosaur is. He stops rampaging for Icarus. Uh, I do realize I skipped over one, like, Gohan is in danger, so Piccolo magically shows up. Just assume that it happened, because it did, because all these movies have that scene where Piccolo showed up because Gohan was in danger. Anyway. You know, it's... Like, I don't know, I don't even really see it as a criticism of the movies. It's nice to nope. have these familiar plot beats. Like, at some point it happened. Uh, just assume that it did. If I ever forget it in a movie, assume that it happened at some point, and I just don't comment on it anymore. Like, I, I like I like that there's this sort of touchstone that always happens in every movie. It's like a running gag at this point. When Gohan goes to rescue Icarus, that's able to calm him down for a little bit, but then... Uh, Tursus, Turles, Turles attacks Icarus to try to get Gohan mad again. He goes on a rampage. Everything's about to end in death and destruction because Turles launches a big attack at him. Goku uses the distraction to cut off Gohan's tail and he's able to shrink in time to avoid the blast. Yay, fine. Gohan has been relevant enough in this story. He's sent home for the rest of the movie. Goku is now trying to fight Turles. Turles eats from the Tree of Might. He eats a fruit thing. The world is rapidly decaying. Everything is bad. Goku tries to fight him, but nothing can stop me. Not even Kakarot. And then Goku asserts again that Kakarot isn't his name. It's not what he's chosen. And he tries to use the life... Like, he does that thing where he summons the life force of the world. uh, The spirit bomb. But... The tree, apparently nutrients are the same things as life force, and the tree has sucked all of those up, so there's no life force basically to attack. So when he tries to attack Turles, it fails miserably, he's almost dead, Turles has defeated him, all hope is lost, the earth is dead, oh no, everything is bad, we're 50 minutes into this movie, what's gonna happen? In a move that they have to explain later with exposition dialogue because it's not really clear what's happening. Goku sees a light, and it's not like the light at the end of the tunnel. He kind of assumes it's the light of the fruit, but we find out later it's the light of the spirit and nutrients that have been pulled into the tree. So he's climbing up, trying to get the fruit, trying to get the fruit. Turles is mocking him, but he's able to pull the nutrients slash spirit of the tree out, use that for a spirit bomb, and then is able to hit Turles and the tree with their the tree's own nutrients, destroying the tree, destroying Turles, saving the world. And then in a deus ex machina that I have a lot of problems with and we'll talk about later, destroying the tree returns the world to its natural order and all the nutrients that were in the tree are returned back to the earth. They do that little sparkle effect all over again. Everything is fine. The world is saved. Huzzah. That's what happened in this movie. Basically. So what did you think of it? Um, so, okay. So for people who either are newer to Dragon Ball, like weren't watching DBZ back in the Tsunami days, or are from the Gilmore Girls side and don't know this, one thing that you need to understand is that for a very long time, this movie was on Toonami constantly. Oh, you like, poor things. I, I 
must have seen this movie five or six times to the point where I was sick of it. And when I would see, oh, it's just Tree of Might, I would turn it off, even though I loved, loved, loved Dragon Ball. And so as a result, even as like a teenager or as a young adult, when I decided to go back and rewatch parts of Dragon Ball or rewatch movies, catch up with the movies I missed out on, I would always skip Tree of Might because it's like, whatever, I've seen Tree of Might a million times. And it's gotten to the point where I actually had forgotten most of this movie before watching it again for this recording. And I think that obviously there are a lot of things wrong with this movie and I'm going to give you the privilege to talk about them. But I You're think so generous. I think that the thing about this movie is it is it is definitely a prime example of a Dragon Ball movie because there are good ideas in here. Yep. They're just not the best executed. Yep. And it's interesting like okay, so you you kind of glossed over it, but there's a relatively lengthy scene after Turles gets Gohan to like rage out into the Ozaru form and so it's Goku versus Ozaru Gohan. Goku is like calling out to Gohan to like Gohan it's daddy like you don't need to be angry right now and and Gohan is just completely lost his mind completely just given in to his primal saiyanness and is just rampaging like King Kong. And so much of early Dragon Ball Z and also so much of this movie with Turles being set up as the antagonist is about this thing that we've talked about a ton at this point and has talked to death at this point, but at the time it was released wasn't necessarily talked to death of the of Goku being both a Saiyan and being of Earth. Yeah. And here we have Goku, who at this point in the story really has not embraced any of his Saiyan origin. He is an Earthling through and through at this point in the story. And, you know, even goes to the, goes as far as saying he's never heard of anybody named Kakarot, even though he obviously has. And maybe you know, he hasn't. Who knows where this is in the timeline? I mean, if he knows the Kaioken and he's met King Kai, then he has to have met Theoretically. 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 No, but I agree. I agree. I'm just making trouble. This takes place in a time hole, so who knows? Uh, And he is at his most human, and he is the one trying to create a peaceful solution to this problem. And Gohan has been driven to completely embrace the savagery and the violence and just the complete unchained rage that isn't really emblematic of the Saiyans, but is what Turles is trying to say is what Saiyans are. Well, and at this point is emblematic of Saiyan culture as we've seen it. It's true. And also it's kind of what Frieza had turned the Saiyans into where he, Frieza kind of just turned the Saiyans into a dog on a chain that he would let loose in places. Yeah. Um, and, and so, like, and that's Tur- an interesting... Like, and Turles does work for Frieza. Like, if we haven't made it clear, they're all in Frieza gear. Yeah, they're all in Frieza gear, yeah. So the implication is definitely that he's part of the Frieza force. And so there's an interesting thing there where it is Goku going full Earthling versus Gohan going full Saiyan, and that's, like, an interesting conflict. And I almost wish that the tree was just kind of not in this movie at all, and that... 
the the bulk of it like this would have worked if the plan wasn't we're gonna grow a tree here and it happens to be where Kakarot lives but if somehow they contrived a way for the plot to be we're gonna kidnap Gohan and turn him into like a super monkey saiyan well the thing is like there are a couple plots here that could have worked because you're right that we're gonna take Gohan and turn him into a super monkey saiyan great and then he's saved by like the humanity of having a pet awesome uh we could even have, like, power is in conflict with nature, and how do you resolve that conflict? And, the con- like, the conflict is resolved by using nature to save itself. Like, that's great. Okay, cool. Like, you're stealing from nature and Goku has to give it back to itself. Great. Goku is trying to, like, work out his Saiyan identity. Super great. Could happen with either. Can't happen with both. Yeah, there's there's just there's too much going on in this movie and yet also so little going so on. So little. This really frustrating. And I feel like that's kind of the motto of a lot of these movies is like there are really cool ideas in here. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you tasked me with like if you told me, "Hey Grant, we need you to reboot Dragon Ball." I would mine ideas out of this movie. I would mine ideas out of the cooler movies. I would possibly even mine ideas out of Super Android 13, but less of them. Like, <laughs> there are ideas in here that are interesting. Yeah. And, like, even even little stuff. Like, you mentioned he's got a big assortment of rando alien Frieza Force dudes. One of them is, like, a weird squid cyborg. Yeah. That's cool. Like, he's got, like, a weird kind of... He kind of looks like a, if you did, like, an edgy anime version of, like, a squid billy on top of his head with the scouter, but then, like, a robot body. And, like, I want to know more about Robo Squid Man. Like, what's but his deal? Robo, like, but he doesn't even get a name. He's Robo Squid Man. I'm sure he has a name that was, like, said once in passing. But, yeah, basically. I'm not sure. Uh, but, yeah. No, and I won't argue with you that there are good ideas here. Uh, but there's so much that gets squandered. And I feel like something that's emblematic of it is two moments early on in the movie with two moments later in the movie. Uh, In the beginning of the movie, as I said, they use Dragon Balls to heal the forest. Oh, his name is Cacao. Cacao. Okay, like a chocolate? Like a chocolate, yeah. Okay. Uh, And also, we see one scene of, like, uh, Chi-Chi cracking and deciding to make her son and husband into a soup. That's not what happens with the water that they were bathing in was yellow and they're bathing in just like a barrel. It was a very weird scene. Not like a wooden barrel, like a oil. Like an oil drum. Like an oil drum. Anyway, so Goku and Gohan are taking a bath in an oil drum and they have a little competition to see who can hold their breath longer. And it's actually kind of a cute scene. Like, it's not my deal uh, because I hate tickling, but like, it's... Goku is tickling Gohan underwater to try to get him to laugh so he'll put out air so he'll have to give up and take a breath. And it's like a fun, kind of silly game between them. You can see how much affection there is there and how much security they have with each other. Because, like, they're naked and playing with their lives on a, like, on a literal scale. But that doesn't matter. It's not scary. It's fun. It's cute. It's warm. It's bonding. Later in the movie, we have two scenes that could have mirrored this. Uh, we have Gohan and Goku fighting above a lake. And actually, there is a moment where Gohan's underwater for quite a long time when he's in monkey form. Like, And then later, we get the tree giving its nutrients back to the earth. 
either one of those could be mine for parallelism. Like, what, how are we mirroring this cute scene where Goku was playing with his son underwater with Goku fighting for his life and still trying to save his son who's trapped drowning underwater but is a dangerous monkey? That'd be really cool. Like, yeah. it'd be the same setup, but in an entirely different situation, and they just don't use it. Later, like, we have them using the Dragon Balls to save a single forest, but when they need to save an entire world from the Tree of Might, they just kind of get it for free? It just happens to go back to the Earth, and everything goes back the way it is, even the animals that died when they didn't have any nutrients. That somehow is fine now. Yeah. And I feel like there were so many things like that where there were just like long stretches of time where nothing happened. There were way too many things going on. The character moments weren't really clear other than Piccolo always being there for his kid Gohan. There's not like even just I would have liked more about why Goku couldn't snap his son back from Ozuru form and like kind of get calmed down but his pet that he's had for a couple days is because like i could see that working it's a kid it's his pet like it's his new dog but it was like oh so his dad doesn't affect him at all all these jokes i made about goku and gohan's relationship are exactly right okay even the promise of there's a giant tree with supernaturally powered fruit that's stealing energy from the entire earth isn't really explored apparently if you're not in the vicinity of the tree you have no idea it's going on even though it's destroying a city like a major natural disaster there are still festivals going on like normal nobody's worried yeah i mean that's just that's just always been a weird quirk of dragon ball that people just carry on like normal even when horrible stuff is happening I I feel like the big thing for me is that that ending gambit was actually really clever, but didn't quite come together right, which is frustrating right. to me. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere. Well, because Goku shows up again at the tree after Turles has kicked his ass like three times at that point, and he's like, are you still here? Like, come on, dude. I'm obviously better than you. I'm obviously stronger than you. You can't win. Why are you still fighting? And Goku says, you didn't understand. I still have the power of nature inside me. Which, which sounds cheesy and dumb. It's a worthy line. It's a super grown-worthy line. But I have then, to say, so much less cool than like five minutes earlier when he says, take this Turles as a gift from the earth. And he hits him with a spirit bomb. So it was like, yeah, nature-based puns. And then I was like, oh, nature-based puns. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, there's the, the one moment, there's a moment, the moment right after that is actually really cool. Like, it's well animated and it's interesting and it's tense. Whereas there's this standoff between them. And everything's quiet for a second. And then it's just a close-up of Goku as he summons a little spirit bomb into his hand. And then it just a close-up of Turles as his scouter breaks. Because just the energy of that little spirit bomb is enough to destroy Turles' scouter. And then Goku chucks it before Turles can react. And he just gets vaporized along with the tree. And it's like a really slick moment in it. But there's just, if if that line had been a little bit different, it would have come together and we wouldn't have needed King Kai to exposition to nobody what actually happened. Yep, because when he says it's the power of nature is inside me, it sounds like it's still remnants of the spirit bomb. So I was still asking if the big spirit bomb didn't work, why did the remnants 
that were left over, why were those enough? When yeah, really and it I mean, was him pulling the answer it from to the that tree. would be like the answer to that would be that Turles was able to to like hurl energy back at the big the big spirit bomb, whereas this little one caught him off guard and was a direct hit. So like, I mean, even then, like it was enough to destroy Turles and the tree. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, like it would have been better if Goku had 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 a little bit more monologuing and been able to like explain. Uh, for, yeah, explain what the spirit bomb is, and then have to you know you you know you forget this tree is like, you know you're you're using it for your own power, but it's you know it's a piece of nature too, and I have nature on my side. Something less dumb than that, but something in that vein uh, to I'm make it away your job rebooting the Dragon Ball universe now. But like something something like that to make it. Yeah. You could you could put together a short little monologue to make it clear of like as I was climbing this tree, I was drawing energy from it. And I so, mean it doesn't even need to be that much, but like you forgot that the tree is a part of nature too. That's enough. Yeah, like boom, he could just pull a spirit bomb out of the tree and and hit him. Like that's a really cool way to end this story. Yep. But the execution is so awkward that they felt the need to have King Kai show up at the end and literally just say out loud what happened, like, I guess, to Bubbles and Gregory. <laughs> like, I mean, people were talking to nobody all over this movie. Piccolo had a monologue to a waterfall. But, yeah, the fact that it was a monologue where they had to explain it and then everything immediately goes back to how it was pretty, like, with no cost meant the whole thing felt like a deus ex machina, even though in retrospect, it's a pretty cool and neat way to solve the problem. And like, it doesn't need to be he blows up the tree and then all of the energy like cascades back down to earth. That That's like, okay, fine, that works. But also like, if we're establishing that Goku can manipulate the energy inside the tree, what's to stop him from like communing with the tree and just pushing all of that energy back into the earth? Right. Like that would be... Pull a Moana. Well, it would be interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting because it would be an ultimate victory of Goku's perspective of being in harmony with the Earth as opposed to trying to destroy it. And not even in harmony with the Earth, but in harmony as like with the Earth and a space invader, like with a Saiyan invading force. Like he would have a connection to Saiyanness that has nothing to do with violence. And that would be really interesting. Yeah, so like there's there's cool. I'm assuming idea. the tree is saying, I have no idea. There's no I, backstory for this evil tree. Well, there's one line of backstory for this evil tree that asks a million questions. Which was when when King Kai is explaining what the tree is, he say he says that the tree of might will grow a fruit that was originally meant for the eternal dragon. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did have a question about that. So okay. So does he mean Shenron, the Eternal Dragon, in which case it was created on Earth, or does he mean Porunga, the Eternal Dragon, in which case is this a Namekian tree? Or I mean, a Namekian tree would make more sense because that's basically the only planet that has enough nutrients to sustain a tree like that. But it could be another Eternal Dragon that we've never heard of. Well. Obviously, this was not it because this was, you know, nowhere near like this was decades before this was come up with. But in Dragon Ball Super, they do establish the Super Dragon Balls, which do seem to be the origin of all Dragon Balls. And like the they're literally the size of planets. And 
they summon the dragon god Zalama, who like is the is Lama? like the the big Mac Daddy of all eternal dragons. And so was it meant for him? Now that we're asking questions, I also have questions about the Tree of Might biologically. Oh yeah, please ask me your questions. I also have some questions about this movie. So I am not a biologist. I We do have friends who know much more about the biology of trees than I do. I know basically nothing. But it doesn't make sense from an evolutionary perspective to have a tree. Like this wasn't just like it grows one tree of might. It grows like hundreds of or like at least dozens of fruit. Why is it smart for the tree to gain so much power to grow a gigantic tree that has dozens of fruit and eats up the entire energy of the world, meaning that someone would have to come and take the fruit elsewhere and shepherd the seed until they can find another place to put it. Instead of growing a smaller tree of might that has like maybe three or four apples, that would not take all the energy from the earth so they'd have a sustainable amount of energy. Like, this is a species that's asking to die out. Yeah, and, like, if it was if it was bioengineered specifically to be, like, a planet-siphoning weapon, then that would make sense. Right. I'm assuming that this tree did not evolve naturally. No, but then, like, if it didn't evolve naturally, you'd think you'd want to limit the number of fruits so your opponent couldn't get to the fruit before you could. I think it's not it wasn't engineered with the you have an opponent opposing force on the planet that you can't easily deal with agenda. This was this is a, a freeze a force tool where you're usually invading planets that just have pathetic little insects as their natives and so there is no need to worry about that. So you can just drain the planet for what it's worth. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it was the kind of thing that they only planted after the freeze of force had colonized a planet. Like, we've already colonized it, this planet is useless to us, plant a tree of might. You know? Maybe? Maybe, although it seems like they specifically sought out Earth as a planet that has enough nutrients. So it seems to only be able to grow in specific circumstances, and you're only allowed to plant it once. So it's it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. I have questions about whether or not the tree was really a necessary, uh... I mean, it gave the story stakes, but I don't know if it was really a necessary piece here. Is the tree evil? They call it a wicked tree, but trees don't usually have morality. No, I think it's a tree that's often used for evil, but the tree itself doesn't seem to have any degree of sentience. That's not fair to the tree. In this movie, they both said that Saiyans never perish, and also that friends are usually human. These are both demonstrably untrue in the Dragon Ball universe. So what was up with that? <laughs> I do love it. Yeah, they're like, oh, Kakarot did a terrible job of eradicating this planet. Maybe he died when he was just a child. And Turles is like, nonsense. Saiyans never perish. Like, uh, I have bro? bad news about your entire planet. Yeah, I got, I got, I got, I got. When was the last time you checked up on Planet Vegeta? <laughs> um, I don't know. Just whoever writes these movies doesn't actually pay attention to what they're writing. Do, like, in this movie, seeing the moon is what made Gohan transform. Yeah, and that, that tracks. Do blind Saiyans just not transform? Maybe. Uh, I think I both, one, 
the series doesn't know enough about the actual biology behind the transformation. And two, I don't quite know enough about the biology behind different causes of blindness. Um, so somebody who has knowledge of that might be able to talk a little more intelligently on it, but I think it's entirely a function of whether or not it's the moon, like the right frequency of light coming into contact with the eyes or that information being communicated to the brain and like where the disconnect is in whatever cause of blindness you have. And if it is, it, it like, and the difference between literally completely blind, no vision or just legally blind where, you know, a lot of people who, you know, are legally blind and need all the same accommodations that people who have absolutely no sight do, uh, still do have like very, very, very fuzzy sight. So would they be able to transform or would it only not work if you were completely blind or what? But visually registering the light waves is consistently the, uh, catalyst of the transformation. So I would guess if there was a Saiyan who was a hundred percent blind, absolutely no visual capabilities whatsoever, they would not be able to transform. What did Turles actually think of Goku? Because about half the time he was saying he was a worthless weakling who couldn't even conquer Earth, and then later he said, no one can defeat me, not even Kakarot. That's so- really, that's that's a great question, and I was wondering the same thing. Uh, Turles is just such uh <sighs> Turles is a very frustrating character because... In general, they don't seem to quite know what they want him to be. He looks no. ex- the thing that you have not that I don't think you've mentioned is that he looks exactly like Goku. He looks like the bottom of their hair seemed a little different, maybe, but basically, yeah, like same hairstyle, same facial features. His skin is like a weird gray skin yeah, tone, yeah. as as opposed to Goku's more you know flesh colored, but. So he's got this weird gray skin, but other than that, he just looks like Goku. And so he's supposed to be this thing of like, what if Goku had never, you know, hit his head and lost his Saiyan programming? And so what if Goku had been raised a Saiyan and, you know, what what if we had a ruthless Goku? Right. The problem here is that this concept has been fucking done to death. Mm-hmm. Like, That's oh, Vegeta. That's well, Raditz. Yeah, Raditz, Vegeta, Cell. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it a little bit, kind of Boo. Uh, and then in Super, you get Goku Black, which is a little different, but it's still, what if Goku was evil? Well, and I know we don't acknowledge it, but in GT, don't you get just like literal Goku? There's not an evil Goku in GT. Okay. Um, not to my knowledge, at least. Okay, my knowledge some... of GT is spottier, but I don't believe there is an evil Goku in GT. Okay. For some reason, I thought that there was something where he got his head hit again or something. No, that's just a common fanfic premise, is okay. what if Goku hit his head again, and it jo- re-jostled his Saiyan programming, and uh, that makes no sense because Goku's been punched through fucking mountains at this point. I don't, I'm pretty sure if there was a blow to the head big enough to reinstitute Goku's Saiyan programming, it would have happened by now. Yes, but if any show was going to do that, it would be GT. 
So, um, like, Turles being an evil Goku is like, okay, cool, but, like, that's literally all that you've done at yep. all through the entirety of Dragon Ball up to this point, or Dragon Ball Z up to this point. Yep. So, and then, yeah, and then they're really unclear about, his characterization is really flimsy, which is unfortunate. If you, if, if you asked me to mine this for a different idea, I would have it that the rest of his group, you cut Turles as a character completely, and the rest of his group seeks out Vegeta, and they're a group that are like, oh, Prince Vegeta, we've been looking for you, hey, we have this thing, and then Vegeta has to be tempted of like, oh, if this... This tree, I can grow it and get the true power and be strong enough to defeat Kakarot, but it also means destroying... Because that hasn't been done before. Right, but like, but it also means destroying the Earth. Uh, I don't care about the Earth anyway, uh, but maybe I do. Like, that could be a good early Vegeta conflict. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no Vegeta at all in this movie. Uh, nutrients are things you eat. Yes. And life force in this is like a key-based power spirit thing in you, right? Yes. So why are they the same thing? I think I think it's not out of the question for a more mystical universe to posit the idea that those two things are malleable. That you, by eating food, like, it's the circle of life, right? You know, the blade of grass has energy that then the cow eats, which then fuels the cow's energy. So then when you eat the cow, it fuels your energy and it's part of how you replenish your key. So when Goku is doing the spirit bomb, he's taking a little bit of key from every little life force on the planet. And so obviously that means a little blade of grass must have key, even if the blade of grass can't shoot a key blast. And so, like, your nutrients and your life force are kind of this malleable thing that are that are kind of related and one in the same. I think that that's not ridiculous in a more fantastical setting. Fair. Why did it take a day of no nutrients? Like, in like the trees seem to be stealing nutrients from the earth, not from animals or people, necessarily. Yeah, and so why were deer dropping dead within, like, 12 hours? I don't know the answer to that. Because it, makes, it made for a... Because, one, it made for a powerful shot, and for two, uh, we've noted before, the Dragon Ball movies have a weird environmentalism bent. They definitely do. And, like, not against it. Like, I'm all for protecting the environment. Like, you know, I played my Final Fantasy VII, but but it's weird that it's this thing that keeps getting hammered on in, like, almost every single Dragon Ball movie. It's like they only made Dragon Ball movies after coming home from a Miyazaki movie. Yeah, like, they, they all have this sort of pseudo-Miyazaki feel, except not quite as thoughtful in how they present their message as Miyazaki movies tend to be. Uh, so that's all my questions that I've got, or at least all the ones that I marked with a little question mark on my notepad, and I'm not reading over the whole thing again. What questions do you have? I have one big question that you have not addressed. What was the point of the fire plot? Oh, it's a great question. And, like, the thing is, if you used it to support using the Dragon Ball later, it would have a point, but it didn't. Also, like maybe- where's Icarus's family? Like, maybe it's an excuse, it's so that they have an excuse to not just use the Dragon Balls right away. Like, oh, we can't, we just use the Dragon Balls. But they don't, 
have that throwaway line to because nope. that would be a thing like maybe we can wish it away with the dragon balls we can't we just use them to wish back the forest and they won't be ready for another year we don't have that kind of time goku like that little exchange would then yep. maybe justify it yep but it was just a problem that was then resolved during the opening credits and then never really came up again except like i guess as an excuse for gohan to meet icarus but there are there are ways you could make an excuse for Gohan to meet Icarus that aren't causing a forest fire and using the Dragon Balls. Well, and beyond that, like, why did he take Icarus home? Icarus was living perfectly fine in the forest, and then Gohan decides, like, this is my pet now, I'm naming it Icarus, I'm taking it to the forest, and I'm gonna feed it. Like, that's not good for The implication nature. seems to be that Icarus followed him home. Like, Icarus just emerges out of the forest during Goku-Gohan bath time and says hello. So it's, I, don't, I don't think he, like, I think threw a leash on he, Icarus and dragged him home. I- Icarus followed him. But it does still beg the question of, like, okay, what was Icarus doing before that? Just chilling in the forest waiting for a little boy to adopt? Right. And I think, like, if I remember correctly, they were playing in the forest and then Gohan names him. And then later he comes in when he's bathing. I could be remembering wrong, but I... When he right. named him, I was like, "Where did? Why are you naming this thing?" Rabbi, I mean, whatever. He's a, he's like six at this point. You know, you meet right, a, but he like you make a friend in the forest. It. You give him a name, like whatever. But then the then him following him home. Yeah, no, it was very much a like you are my pet now moment. Not just you're my friend in the forest. Then I need to call you something. Yeah, so that was weird. Was and then weird. like in the future movies we've seen that Icarus, like Gohan and Icarus, have this kind of weird. Relate like just by virtue of the fact that Icarus isn't in the manga and therefore never shows up in the TV show or only shows up in filler episodes of the TV show and therefore doesn't show up in Kai. Like it's this weird thing where Icarus is sometimes around and sometimes not. Yeah. Like Paul Anka. But yeah, that was the only major question I had about this movie. Do you have any other thoughts about this movie that you want to express? You are right that it's better than a lot of the movies we've seen for Dragon Ball, but I feel like that says more about Dragon Ball movies than it says for this movie. Yeah, it. I would be curious to compare this with the other, like, ongoing series movies of its time, because this definitely looks bad in comparison to, like, the My Hero Academia movies. Well, right? yeah, those are modern. Because they those are modern. bigger budgets. They're actual movies that were... Well, I guess this was in theaters as well, but this is, an, you know, an hour and five minutes. Yeah, and so I'd be curious how this compares to movies for other series of its time. Honestly, my knowledge of, like, my knowledge of Shonen before Dragon Ball is pretty spotty, honestly. like if, There was Astro Boy somewhere in there. Honestly, I feel like the better version of this podcast would be if I was somebody who was really, really, really well-versed in Shonen, which... My history with Shonen basically starts with Dragon Ball, and I like I know Dragon Ball, I know Naruto. You haven't set yourself up as a scholar. I'm not setting myself up as a scholar. I know Dragon Ball, I know Naruto, I know some Bleach, I know My Hero Academia. That's more you know or less. Full Metal. Full I, Full Metal. I don't know if I would call Full Metal Alchemist a Shonen either. I think Full Metal Alchemist is an action adventure series, but I would not call Full Metal Alchemist a shonen. At least not in the same vein of shonen as all these other shows I just named. 
those are all definitely in a very particular subgenre of shonen manga and anime. Whereas Full Metal Alchemist, I feel like, is an action adventure drama that that does take some inspiration from shonen, but it just it's just an action adventure. I would say it's it's as much a shonen as like Avatar: The Last Airbender is a shonen. But what you were saying here was what I'm saying is my knowledge of older shonen is pretty spotty. Like I guess JoJo also. I you know. I have caught up on JoJo with the new series, but my knowledge of like classic JoJo. And that wasn't animated, so it wouldn't be in movie form. Right. This is, yeah. So I know that there weren't JoJo movies because it never got animated. So, but like, I really don't know very much about Saint Seiya. I don't know very much about Yu Yu Hakusho, I, which I was like contemporary to Dragon Ball Z. I don't know very much about like uh, Fist of the North Star or, like, any of those older shonen series. So I don't know, like, did Saint Seiya do the thing where just every once in a while they put out a standalone movie? Or was Dragon Ball Z the genesis of this notion that if you're a shonen series, you gotta put out movies every once in a while? That then Naruto and Bleach and, I assume, One Piece and My Hero Academia and Demon Slayer and all those other series started doing? Like, I don't know. So it's possible that, like, the these movies were kind of working out a new thing of let's take these, I mean, like, Pokemon does it too. Let's take these characters and put them in a little side story that is kind of related to the plot. Right, and I... That, is, that doesn't excuse this movie's yeah, flaws. Yeah, I was about to say, like... I can appreciate what a movie did for history without wanting to watch it. This was a very long hour of my life. Yeah, yeah. I I do not mean to excuse this movie's flaws or any of the Dragon Ball Z movie's flaws, but I genuinely don't know what its place is in the history of anime is. If this was something that was already an old hat deal or if this was like kind of a new thing that they were kicking the rust off of and trying to make work. Um, and so I'm curious, I do not know, Amiyumi, get on it. I love how we say that not actually meaning that Amiyumi has to get it, but now that's shorthand for someone who knows what they're talking about, please. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts you want to express on this movie, or are we good to go? Nope, I don't want to watch it again. That's all. Okay. So one day we might find a Dragon Ball Z movie that you would watch again. I mean, I'd watch the new Broly movie again. You will. I will. (laughs) But I haven't put up a huge fight about it. Okay, well, thank you all for listening to this bonus episode. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, this was made possible by the donations to the Gohan and Rory Fund, which is our matching program for a number of worthwhile and awesome charities around the internet. You can go to our WordPress site, which is gilmoreballz.wordpress.com and click on the Gohan and Rory Fund tab at the top to see the list of what charities we are currently matching donations for. It will probably change over time, so I'm not going to list them here because it may change by the time you watch or by the time you listen to this episode. If you go donate to any one of those charities listed on the website, then take a screen cap of your donation confirmation with personal info blacked out if you want and email it to us at gilmoreballz at gmail.com. We will then match your donation out of our own pocket, and the donation that you give will be added to the Gohan and Rory Fund. When the total fund hits certain thresholds, we unlock bonus episodes like this one. If you give over a particular amount, you can get personal rewards. We can give you a shout-out on our episode. We can read your message on the air. 
you can record your own next time on Gilmore Ballsy, or a couple people have taken us up on this now. You can even guest host with us, provided we're still recording episodes at that point. And if even if we're not recording episodes at that point, but you want to donate, we will still be putting out bonus episodes even after this podcast is over. If you guys want to give money to charity so we have to watch stupid movies, I'm going to keep doing it. Absolutely, absolutely. But that's something we can talk about when we get there. So, if you give to any of those, you can fund more bonus episodes. Next up on the docket is Bridesmaids, which is the movie that really launched Melissa McCarthy's career into Hollywood stardom after Gilmore Girls gave it her launch pad. And then after that, we'll be doing the Dragon Ball Z movie Fusion Reborn, also known as the one where Gotenks fights Hitler. What? So, with that, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next Saturday for our regularly scheduled programming.